Welcome to Film Grain, the official podcast of the Film Society of Northwestern Pennsylvania and the Greater Erie Film Office. My name is Stuart Nash. I'm a filmmaker, educator, and the director of the Greater Erie Film Office. My name is Megan Shoffrey. I'm a filmmaker and a film student at Edinburgh University. This week, our guest is actor and producer Mark Blucas, mostly known for his work with Buffy the Vampire Slayer and Pleasantville. Mark's latest production, Unearthed, in which he produced and acted in, was shot this last year. We will also discuss that. Hi, Mike. How are you doing? Excellent, Meg. How are you? Good. Um, so tell us a little bit about your background. Uh, you're a Gerard native. I had, you know, and I know not many people can say this around here. I had such a storybook high school experience here, and it's why I come back so many times per year. You know, my wife and I were just talking about this in the car, and and, um, and because this town actually meant so much to me, um, and my wife kind of knew that and didn't have a small town experience, we ended up getting married here. And we bring my, you know, my kids back. My obviously my mom and, and and family's still here. But yeah, you know, I was at a, I was at a, I was there at a time where we had this special little basketball program and happening at Gerard that I got to be a part of, where we won two state championships and the whole town showed up at every game and it was kind of everything you want a small town upbringing to be like when we got off when we would get off the bus at games and we would have to play at edinburgh and gannon for some of our regular games because gerard jim couldn't hold the number of people that wanted to come we had few let's all remember how old i am here but we had a few like closed circuit games where it would be like we'd have the live game in the gym and then they would broadcast it in the auditorium next to the gym for the overflow for people that couldn't even make the standing room only areas and when we would get off the bus for our games at away games for players we'd be just be in our street clothes coming off the bus we'd walk in crowd would freak out one side would be completely full you'd see bag lunches and one one a great memory is that when we would leave town when we'd be on the bus in Gerard this would be on a Tuesday or you know Friday whenever we play our game you would see signs for all the local businesses like go yellow jackets closed for the game this is four o'clock and they're shutting down early so in LA you know I, I moved to Los Angeles I'm acting and I got to be friendly with Pete Berg who who directed Friday Night Lights the, 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 the great high school football movie and I said, Pete, you have to have a scene in this movie where the kids are on the bus and they leave town and you see these signs with all the businesses shutting down. Like, it's not about making a living and those businesses staying open to provide for families and pay a mortgage. It's about getting to this damn game on Friday night. And so that scene is in the movie and that came right out of Gerard. It's like in the opening title sequence, isn't it? It's, yeah. it's way, no, it's way yeah. early. Yeah. And he's like, I am absolutely using that. <laughs> and so that moment in the movie was just a story I told from my upbringing here. So, yeah. Yeah, it's any class, any project, any, 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 any experience is really a function of your relationships. You know, were there friendships along the way? It, it, like, that's what's going to make or break the memory. And I had such amazing friends and, and, and family, and, and, and that it was, again, it was an amazing chapter in my life. And so it's, it's scary to sometimes give me an open mic to say to revisit that because I'll go all day long. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, it is, it is. It's great to be back, too. Good. And did you continue to play through college? Like, how long were you playing basketball for? Yeah, I did. You know, again, I, I, I always equate, you know, when people, when people ask me, you know, hey, where are you from? And I say, hey, a little town in Pennsylvania. And they said, where? And I usually say, oh, it's just kind of above Pittsburgh. 
and they kind of push it and they, they kind of want to like where I'm like, it's right in between deer hunter and all the right moves. <laughs> it's that town. And so that was kind of it for me. Like all the right moves is this old Tom Cruise movie where he used his sport to get out of town. That was football. For me, I always knew it was basketball. That was kind of my ticket out. Even though I love Gerard, I knew I wanted to go out and do other things. So I was fortunate enough to get a, get a, get a full scholarship to college to go play. Um, and where'd you go? I went to Wake Forest down in North Carolina and got to play every night was NBA guys. It was, it was an amazing, I had, and I had the career, unless you're Tim Duncan or Grant Hill or some all American, I had the career you're supposed to, you sit as a freshman, you play 15 or 20 minutes a game as a sophomore, you start as a junior, you're a captain as a senior. Wake Forest was much like Gerard. It was like a 4,000 person school with a 20,000 seat arena. So it, it felt like home in a way right. to me. Um, to go there and play at that level but every night you're playing you know the the years i was there duke won the national championship twice carolina won it once so of three of the four years uh the acc had a national champion in it and it was hands down the best basketball conference in the country um so it was great to play there and play at the dean dome and play at cameron at duke and it's just unbelievable memories and then i got invited to play at a pro camp in chicago i went there i got picked up to play overseas so again i'm i look now it's like wow I, I've been paid as an actor and as an athlete. And I know there's not, those are two difficult <laughs> things to say you were a professional in. Um, and so, again, I, I know I work extremely hard, but I also know that I like the challenge of can I do this and, and is this possible? Like these are, these are extremely difficult fields to make right. a living and, and to go get paid in. And, and I've done it, and the, but it really comes down to do I love it and still enjoy it and like the process of it and do I like the growth? Do I still feel challenged? Because the minute I don't, I'll go do something else. You know, I, yeah. I feel like I that that to me has to be the most important thing is the love behind it. Because if if you don't have that, then yeah, I just I just don't want to be the person that's just phoning it in every day. It's like yeah. I'm just doing it because I have to. You know. And did you? When did you know that you wanted to go into acting? You know, it was it was such a. It, again, this is this is one of these like little theories and beliefs I have. It's like. If you're, if you're fearless, because I don't believe in failure. Failure is just an experience pushing you in another direction. It's like, that's a success. Okay, I found out I don't want to do that, whether it's because I suck at it or it's because it didn't work out. You right. learn something or you meet somebody. You know, I, 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 I hesitate sometimes given I can give it to Stu, Meg. I don't know if I can give it to you, this analogy to you, but it's like I often do the, like, life's kind of like a pinball game. And you guys just know Xbox, but pinball, the old-fashioned kind, is like, Look, you're, we're all trying to land in that hole that just racks up points. But you're going to get beat to shit along the way. You're going to go in the gutter. You just got to get the ball back and play. Just get back and play, and you'll get there. And it's like you're going to get beat around. It's going to happen, but you're going to score points. You're going to meet some people. You're going to get deflected and go. And if you're willing to put yourself out there and continue to try, I failed at a handful of things. But you know what? I was a, I was a, I was a, I was a major in business and a minor in communications. I had a full scholarship to law school. I deferred those things. I was an academic All-American. I led the ACC in three-point shooting. I, I had these things. Then I started commentating games for ESPN, and I felt like like a lot of athletes, you're like, hey, I either want to coach, I want to be a commentator, or, or I want to be an agent. You want to stay close to the game. So I was like, hey, I think I want to be a sports agent. I knew I had an interest in the law and, and that, and that, and that field. And the time, the... NBA and, 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 and they were going more towards standardized contracts, meaning wherever you were drafted, you kind of knew what you were making. So the negotiation was really about the endorsements and the financial planning. And it's, I still feel like there's a void today. So I, I was like, hey, I think there's an opportunity to start a business, be a certified financial planner, be their agent and do their endorsements, like a one-stop shop for an athlete, plan for their future, 
and and still negotiate their deals. And so it was really the thrust of it was about the endorsements. And at the time, this is 95, the two most marketed athletes in the world were Michael Jordan and Dale Earnhardt. And I don't remember how I got a meeting with Earnhardt because I was I was in North Carolina. He was based in North Carolina. But I went to him and I said, hey, you have a relationship with every corporation in America. Look at your car. You know, you're making $3 million a year on the track and 55 off of it. You know, and they said, but what do you want? I'm like, but why are you only representing yourself? And I'll never forget him looking at the guy, his name was Don Hawk, who ran Dale Earnhardt Incorporated. They're like, keep talking. And we, that day, we started a business. We were on the phone with the with David Stern of the NBA, the NFL, the NHL, the Major League Baseball. We registered with all four places because everybody wanted to be in business with NASCAR. Earnhardt was hands down the poster child of all of it. He was the face of NASCAR. NASCAR was just blowing up. And then I got a phone call from, long-winded answer to your question, from <laughs> the sports information director Wake Forest and said, hey, they're casting a basketball movie in Charlotte. They need a baby-faced white kid who can shoot. I'm like, that's me. And he said, they said, we can get you an audition. So I went down and it was a Whoopi Goldberg. It was you know, a very average movie called Eddie, where she becomes the coach of the New York Knicks. And this little comedy. And so I went down there and I got this, I got this part. And it was a big casting director from New York and big casting director from the 80s who had done it, who had discovered like Bruce Willis and Michael J. Fox and Oprah. And he had, he had done Moonlighting and all these cool shows, the A-Team and all these cool shows in the 80s. And then they decided to change the cast to NBA guys, where they cast all NBA players. And Mark Jackson ended up doing the role that I got. But they called me and said, hey, we still want you in the movie. You were great. So be one of the guys on the bench in the Knicks. And yeah, I, was, I was a glorified extra. I had a line in the movie, whatever. But it was six weeks of doing it. It was fun. At that time, I still have a business. I'm 24. Okay. Right? I'm just back from playing pro ball. I was commentating games on ESPN. I just started this business with Earnhardt. My best friend's Tim Duncan. He's going to be the number one pick in the NBA draft. Like, everything's right here, in the kind of on the platter for me, you know? And this was like a pocket in between all of that as I'm building this business to go out and, hey, do something fun. It's in Charlotte. They're shooting it in Charlotte. I was in North Carolina. Like, it was kind of all lined up, and it was perfect. But during that, I had a few people in the production tell me it's like hey you you should chase this like you should really kind of do this i can get you a meeting here i'm like but what do i do next they're like well you need to get a headshot or go here and i'm like okay and i was like hey that'll be a good filler because oddly even even awake forest i had tried to be a part of a few productions of a few of, of theater productions but could only it could only be a line or two because they had to have someone that could interchange with me i'm like hey guys i gotta go down and play clemson or georgia tech tonight i can't quite make the performance you know what i mean and i was i had a four hour a night commitment to basketball that was paying my education and i couldn't dedicate that four hours of time to the theater department even though so somewhere deep down i kind of thought it would be the passion to replace basketball but but you don't think it's a way of life you know it's like especially back then like this day and age of streaming and it's it's like things have changed because here you are as a college student wanting to get in this business whereas you grew up here in the rust belt in the 80s and 90s you hunt you listen to bon jovi you play football and if you say you want to be an actor someone's gonna throw shit at you yeah like it's, or, yeah, it's you, you know what i mean new york or la right yeah you've you a uncle stick around in the, uncle here in the sure. business no right. it's just like there was not no even pittsburgh at, really at the time no nothing it was right. only la and new york right um it just hadn't gone outside of that um <clears throat> so even though i knew i had a something in there to like to kind of perform and do it and deep down that's what i kind of always jokingly said i think i wanted to be a lawyer because of a few good men not because i love the law it was because i loved the movie about the law and the dramatics of something like that um 
And so, so that was your that was your first Eddie. That, that was your that first. That was the experience. Fir- that was the first thing. And then wow, I that's got, a big a big first opening. I mean, it, first experience. Yeah, it was it was amazing because every night after work, since they were all NBA guys, we were playing pickup ball at night, shooting movies during the day. I was like, okay, this is for, you know this is I'm a pretty good paid. life. It's like the right. perfect balance. Yeah, it's the, kind of the perfect balance. And then kind of to, to finish the story, so I, you know, people got me meetings a meeting in New York. And I met with the head of casting of like all my children. He's like, hey, we just cast. I want to call an agent. And in 24 hours, in 12 hours, I had an agent in New York. It just, my parents were like, what the hell is happening? And then the big casting director from the movie, Eddie, called me in Gerard. This is pre-cell phone. This is, I mean, he gets my parents' number in Gerard. And he said, hey, Mark, I knew you had the look. I didn't know you had the brains and chops to go with it. I said, Reuben Chops or Lamb Report to me. So I don't know what the hell you're talking about. And he said, I want to put you on a plane and see for myself. So he, he flies me to L.A. And he sets up, a, he sets up a, a, like a couple, like a work session with him. And we go through some material. And he gets me an audition. I still have the script. It was for Jerry Maguire. It was to play the football. But with Jerry O'Connell got, got the job. But the, the big recruit that Tom Cruise is kind of right. after, that was my first audition. And so, you know, I, had, I was there for probably two weeks. And got enough great feed, you know, enough feedback that again I was getting pushed a little bit. And suddenly I was starting to feel like I did about basketball. It was keeping me up at night. It was waking me up in the morning. I loved that I sucked at it. I loved being a freshman again, and I wanted to get good at it. Like there's something about knowing. It's just like suddenly I have this life of commentating games and Dale Earnhardt and Tim Duncan, like kind of sitting there for me. And then I have this thing where I know no one. I know nothing of the business. But there's something in my gut and my heart. Sometimes we're in conflict. Your brain tells you one thing. Your heart tells you something else. You have to go to your gut. And what does that mean? And I'll never forget it. So it got to the point where I said to my parents, I'm like, hey, I'm going to move to L.A. Law schools won't disappear. The and business what year won't was that did you move to L.A.? Probably must have been 96 or 97 now. Okay. All right. Um, Great time to be out there. Yeah. It's yeah. Like, I was like, now's my chance to do it. Like, why not? Like, we'll see what happens. Yeah. And, and I'll go and fail. And it, or, or not and, and see my first experience and I joke it was a movie called Bowfinger an Eddie Murphy movie Heather Graham's a character she gets off the bus in LA and she's like where do I go to be a star and that's kind of what I felt I drove my college car that I still had across the country I get to LA and I found out there's a basketball movie casting like for three days of basketball work again you use your past to kind of inform your present right this was the skill set I had I had no resume, like the, that agent in New York who was willing to sign me before I got flown to New York. He's like, hey, you need to come here, not New York. And so changed gears and decided I would go out there. I remember him saying, hey, if she says I should represent you, I will. I don't need to see any tape. I'm like, unless you want to see me playing Duke Carolina, I got no fucking tape to show you. <laughs> I haven't done anything. But I had the right amount of like fearlessness. Like there's something, there's something in that that I know is youth, but I know is also something in the programming I had as an athlete that it's like, hey, you miss a shot and you keep playing. Like, what? what this is how you learn. This is how you do it. So what was the basketball so, movie? So the again, basketball movie was, was yeah. called Pleasantville. Okay. And so, you know, this is a huge writer-director. He's, you know, he wrote Big, you know, he wrote Sea Biscuit and now Hunger Games. Like, he's a huge filmmaker in town. And this is obviously, you know, it's Reese Witherspoon and Tobey Maguire and Joan Allen and Jeff Daniels and all these brilliant actors. And that, to me... I had decided was going to be the breaking point. This will be my deciding factor, this experience. Because, again, you grew up in Georgia, Pennsylvania. L.A. is gangs, earthquakes, and drugs. And that's sunglasses and autographs. That's it. That's all you hear about it. I know nothing about the business. And I, came from, I come from a work ethic town. 
and I had a work ethic success story with basketball. It's like, oh, I practiced this. Wow, I made free throws. I could equate the two. Sure. You work hard at something, this pays off. And I didn't know how that would work in this in the acting movie business. And so when I went out there, and, and within all that, I need to have fun doing it. Like I, Obviously, I love playing basketball. It was, it was a fun thing. Like It has to be fun within all that work. I don't want to just work for work's sake. And that experience to me, and again, I'll never forget that audition because 4,000 kids show up. It's just an open call. You know what they call an open call? It's 4,000 kids in L.A. And I'll never forget Gary Ross saying, who played basketball in high school? And everyone raised their hand. He goes, yeah, y'all want the fucking job. Who played in college? And I'm just thinking to myself, please, no sports. Just, I hope this guy knows something about sports. And I was the only one. I raised my hand. I said, he said, where'd you play? I said, Wake Forest. And he just stopped. He's like, on scholarship. I said, yeah. He goes, like, I go, I guarded Grand Hill and Jerry Stackhouse. He goes, yeah, you stand over here. <laughs> and so that day, That's great. I went up to him. I said, Mr. Ross, I literally got off the, I literally drove here <laughs> yesterday. So I don't know anything about your movie. I don't have an agent. And, and I actually did. The guy who flew me out got me an agent. And after a couple of days, I said, no thanks. This is the dumbest thing I've ever done in my life. I said, no thanks. I haven't earned this. Right now, I'm someone else's favor, and I don't want to get it that way. I'll go out. I need to struggle. I'm in class four nights a week. I need to struggle and find it myself. I don't want you. You believe in him, which is dumb. Again, the dumbest thing I could ever do. Who cares? Any leg up, any help you can get sure, in this town, sure, please right. take it. You said you no know, dumbass. Yeah, I said at the end, I said, thanks, but no thanks. <laughs> Fucking stupid kid. Um. And so that day when I went up to him and I said, hey, but if you need someone to choreograph their, your scenes for you or make shots off camera, I, 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 said, I, I said, I'm, ha I'm happy to do any of that. He's like, meet me at Warner Brothers next week. So that week I go out to Warner Brothers and we're in a big sound stage and they have a basketball hoop in there. And he's telling me about the movie and Pleasantville, no one misses. Everything's perfect. And I said, well, hey, listen, I, you know, I've led the nation in three-point shooting percentage. I, sure, I can make shots off camera and you can do these things. And and I can choreograph the scenes. You tell me what you want where, and I can help, you know, choreograph, design the, the, design the shots. He's like, he's like, great. And so I get hired for the three days, and I have this ridiculous trick shot that I do, which is like from half court, one-handed backwards. And I make an obscene percentage of them. I'll make 10 or 15% of those shots. Like blind, one-handed from, and I'm walking out. Uh, I'm like, hey, Mr. Ross, if I make this shot, will you give me a line in your movie? He goes, you make that shot, I'll put you in the whole movie. I, I threw it, and I looked back, and that son of a bitch went right in. Like, whack! And I'm saying to myself, be cool. Mark, be cool. Walk out. He's like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. He's freaking out. I'm like, see you on set. It was so one of the coolest moments I ever had. And you know what? To his credit, because I was flying back to Carolina to meet with Earnhardt and Tim and, like, all these people. The, that week, I shot my three days. I made all the shots off camera from all the different angles so they could see it all work. I choreographed. And... I flew back to North Carolina and I got a call that night. And he's and it was Gary. And he said, I see you in the dailies. Like, you're great. I do want you in the whole movie. Come back. And so I ended up having a few lines and and over the course of the film, it turns from black and white to color when people movie, Yeah, right? when yeah. people start coming to terms with their emotions and, and being willing to show them. And so me and the girl that I was dating in the movie in this group of kids, again with Reese and Toby McGuire and all the Paul Walker and I mean it was a really great, great, great. group of people. And and we were the first ones to go to color. And it was funny, like the posters and like all the Europe, all the European posters. Like I have a Pleasantville picture of me Submarine and this girl races. making out yeah, of like, yeah. and it's on the posters all in French. Like it's it's crazy. Um, so anyway, that's kind of how it happened. And that and that and within that though, I saw, I saw a work ethic. I saw people having fun. Like again, you're working 15 hour days. You guys, you guys know how it is. It's just like it's it's the opposite of sunglasses and autographs. <laughs> like that, there's, there's none of that. It is all 
work, but they all they all took it seriously and they all had fun. And that's what I needed to see to say, I'm going to give that a shot. Because if it was all what we thought before, like drugs and screwing off, like a, a mentality I didn't know, then I would have been right back chasing the other life, I think, right. you know? Yeah. Well, fast forward a little bit, but um, let's talk about your recent work and the last year here locally uh, in Erie with Unearth. Um, talk to me a little bit about that experience. Because you know, just real quick, uh, talking about people having fun and people with good work ethics mm -hmm. and what have you, um, I think Unearth turned into a great project. Uh, the final product's not out yet, but it brought together people who were serious about their craft. And I know the budget was extremely low, but we pulled off a feat, you know, I, I thought it was great. I've said this to, to, and, to our writer and directors. all of us sitting at this table were on staff or on crew for that. So, right. And it, and it was, I've said this to, to John and Dorota and it's like, it was truly one of the best experiences of my career. It's like, it was like worlds colliding for me. When in a million years did I think I'd ever shoot a movie in Erie County? Like, never in my mind did you I think I would come back to the family. You were know, wearing I mean, it everybody was, was strapped. Everyone but, yeah. was strapped. And, and, and to me, and I've always said, there's a, there's a, there's a really um, successful writer, director, producer, Edward Burns, who, who was in Saving Private Ryan. He's created TV shows, and he, and he, and he started an independent feature called um, The Brothers McMullen, which right. was That's at Sundance. Right. Was it great. was a $25,000 movie. And he wrote a book recently called Independent Ed, Chasing the Best 13 Days of My Life. He's like, I've done them all. Spielberg, all budgets, all kinds. I just want to shoot Brothers McMullen again with my friends, where we got no money. Everybody has to be creative, wear different hats, go 100 miles an hour to try to get it done because it brings out the best. And that's what Unearth was for me. It's like I made real friendships and connections with people, and we were all wearing so many hats to make an overly ambitious project. And to, to get technical to what we do, it's like not, not only did we not have enough money to have a 18-day shoot. It was also an 18-day shoot that 80% of took uh, took place outside, Correct. which then 80% of that took place at night. Yes. And we have no equipment to go to the woods. We have no transportation to get back there. We're working on one camera. We're, like, there was nothing on paper that says we could finish a film. Like, at best, we were going to have a 25-minute short. And the fact that we pulled it off, and I said to John on day two, I was like, I was so blown away the first two days with the level of talent that I saw. And again, that, that wasn't me being condescending or judgmental. I've just, I've worked with some of the best and I've seen them in, in, in the movie business working on various size movies. Selection for cast. It was a phenomenal crew. Yeah. I, I forget the cast. I mean, I, I think that, I think that we overachieved in every department and every department was five people short Meg, your guys in the production office, maybe a dozen people short. Right. Still, you guys like G and E was like fifteen people short. Obviously, camera was it, like I was day three. We're like, guys, we're not making the movie. We need a second yeah. camera. And we call on Rob Frank and 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 and, yeah, and, and his old right. room. We're like, Rob, we got nothing. I'll I, what? I'll help come speak to your class. I'll I'll, <laughs> I'll get your family Christmas gifts. Like, what do we got to do? But we cannot finish this. And we had so many people step up. And there was something so magical about most of them being from this zip code, even though some of them like Jason was in Pittsburgh at the time and people living in different areas and Mike commuting from Brooklyn and all like 
that was it it will always go down as one of the most amazing experiences in my life and and again we're in the post process now which is exciting and slow and you're waiting and you see and you're doing it and we're trying yeah, to figure which, it out what's the what, edit and, like? and what's what the, can you tell us I, no spoilers obviously. no no i was blown away with the first cut like i knew the movie was going to look good our unar dp was wildly talented and right. again Unalee, i think director that, of photography yeah i and i think that our I, and again you guys were like you guys were so good and so on it. I, I think that there's a real movie in there. And to say that for at, at $250,000 that you can make a real feature-length, genre, ambitious movie that shoots outside at night with, good with a limited... We had a very small sandbox to play in. We all had to share our toys. We all had to get along. And that's, that's, that's impossible with people only sleeping three hours a night for three six-day weeks. It's not going to happen. But I think that, that for the most part, most of the storms in the atmosphere kind of cleared out the dust and allowed us to keep going and kind of keep doing it. And it yeah. was so critical. And, and, I, and I think there's a real movie in there that we're finding. And it's just like, hey, you, you get this kind of setup and the story kind of is there. And there's a few things like any movie. We, we don't have the luxury of reshoots. You know, most big movies, know. they get, yeah, right. yeah, most big, yeah, we, had some growing yeah, we don't know, we're, right. we're out of money, but if you want to write a check, please right. send it to P.O. Box, um, and, you know, um, but yeah, it's just like, I don't, I, I don't think we're going to need it. I think it's all there. And now it's just kind of finding it and finding that tempo and that pace. And so again, it's another kind of exciting process to go through. It's just like making a movie. There's five million hurdles you have to go around it's like finally you get the green light that you raise the money to do it and then suddenly you put together an amazing group and you film it now it's in the can now you're finding it through post and then hopefully and again in this day and age with streaming and so many different platforms to oh, distribute a movie it's, it's gonna it, have wings. It, it's gonna have some it's gonna yeah. have a shot to really have people look at it and that model has a real chance for all the investors to get all their money back which is un unheard of in the movie business like most people just do it because they want to say they help make a movie like right. you don't and do it to make it's money. a huge feather in the cap for Northwestern Pennsylvania, too. It, and I've always said it because, I, I, again, I've filmed everywhere from South Africa to Atlanta to all over Canada and Europe and, and obviously in L.A. and in New York and Louisiana and all over the United States. Unless it was a specific, like, war piece for, like, Afghanistan or something where you need, like, massive amounts of desert. I'm like, wow, Erie County has all of this. Lake Erie, guess what? You can't see the other side. That could be the ocean. You can shoot any any water movie you want right here. I was like, we have enough cornfields, we have enough enough metropolitan. Obviously, we have the Rust Belt, the Rust Belt industrial blue collar component working, but you also have enough city and white collar things. Like we have enough woods, we have enough small town stuff. It's like I look what's on TV there. I was like, yep, could have shot that there. Yep, could have shot that there. And that was part of the big push for all of us. It was like, hey, here's an opportunity to maybe give Erie County and Northwest Pennsylvania maybe a little bit of a, of a, of a you know, a B12 shot in the arm and say, here's another right. in industry that could potentially come here, you know, as long as the Pennsylvania tax credit, because Hollywood will suck anybody dry if they offer a tax credit. Right, exactly. You know, Which, and they, yeah. I mean, they tried to do it in Michigan. They try to promote that all the time. Right. And but then they tried to do it. Michigan was smart. Like Detroit, they lost Detroit. You know, obviously that 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 happened. So they came in with 41 percent, which is the biggest number in the United States as a rebate. Mm -hmm. But they didn't have any infrastructure. Right. And so this, as John and I, as we were all speaking, when we were putting this movie together. It's like, let's show you can do it for a number 
with talented people and, and, and come up with a finished product that's great. As long as the tax credit in Pennsylvania stays, unfortunately and fortunately, there's enough abandoned factory space. I, I, I've shot in quote unquote sound stages that have been old amusement parks, old airline hangars. Like it doesn't have to be designed as a sound stage from ground floor up from initially inception. Well, you know, today with the, today's economy and just people and their budgets and being creative about their dollars. I mean, why would you want to rent out a solid sound stage? It's going to cost you X amount more dollars than coming into some abandoned space. That's right, and and I think that I think that the film business have seen it in Pittsburgh because there's always multiple productions happening in Pittsburgh. It's like you know what. Pittsburgh isn't just a steel town. Like, it surprises people. What? There's yoga and sushi and their creative artistic department, you know, component to Pittsburgh. Right. And people go and get kind of blown away by it. And I think that's the same possibility here in Erie. Totally. It's just like, wow, there's a much bigger pool of talent and creativity and infrastructure that could be here pretty damn quickly if the right yes happened. Because we're all after a yes, right? We're, exactly. We the phone and that's to we, that was part of the big big picture of Unearth also. I mean, it is one John wants to make a movie, right, and direct, John and Dorota. Yeah. And, uh, but it's to get our foothold in that Northwestern PA film industry, just like Pittsburgh and Philadelphia have. That's right. So. That, that's right. It's like, how can how can we let some of these little stories and, and support some smaller filmmakers that, could, that these can be calling cards for the area and be like, wow, this could really happen. And here. I feel like it's working. I mean, we're still, we're on another cusp yeah, we're about to take off, I think, again, too. And I think once the release of Unearth comes out, we're going to feel another good injection. That's right. And, and, and it's funny. You know, you, you guys know how it works. It's kind of like it's 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 like it's an emergency room. You hurry up and you race. Then you wait and then you wait and then you wait. And then you finally get in a room and it's just you just need the right doctor. It's like you, you just need that one thing you get. And I'm I. I, I wrote a script that's pretty much based here. That well, that was my next question. I wanted to. I, kind of, I, yeah, I, I sold like, the what's, Lions. What's Gate. the next uh, project for you, Mark Lucas? Well, you know, like you know, again to use a to use a sports analogy, it's kind of like the more positions you play, the more minutes you get in the game, right? Like I don't want to be just actor for hire. I never have. You know, I've produced a handful of things now. Right. I saw and, that on the IMDb. And, yeah, and so some out. some other things are happening. I've just written a couple of scripts. One of which I sold to Lionsgate was a TV series. But it basically takes place here. It was kind of a version of my upbringing, minus the basketball. Like, it is this kind of world and this kind of town with this kind of mentality. And it's just like something like that, if that ever happens in a 10-episode Netflix series or whomever, like, happen, like that you could show that you can pull it off. Because like what Edward Burns is saying and, and my factual, honest statement about on Earth being one of the best experiences of my life, that's what I want. I went in. I went in pitching to Lionsgate that I don't want you know TV episodes these days. I'm on a show right now for ABC, an ABC series called The Fix, and I don't know what our budget was, but it had to be five million dollars an episode, plus or minus a little bit. You know, I'm like, guess what? I want a million and a half bucks. I know who I'm calling. I know I want a tight crew. I want it to feel like a basketball team. I want to be mobile. I want to do it. I want to do it with my friends. I want to have a great time because I think I think friendship translates. I think having a great time translates. I think everybody will work harder. I, I think you get totally. out a better finished product oh, that nothing way. Nothing sucks more than coming to work and hating it. That that that's right. <laughs> I mean, you know. Sorry. <laughs> and so what happened was it kind of it kind of it kind of it kind of hit the I hit the I hit the perfect storm. This doesn't have a great. I, the boat goes down at the end right. of the story. Let's be clear. <laughs> I, it's a perfect storm that turns into the Titanic. They all die you go to the you, do, you bought tickets to the Titanic <laughs> knowing the end of the movie. Let's be clear. You know, amazing marketing, amazing storytelling. Um, but. 
Lionsgate for a minute had started a smaller division where they wanted to do episodic television capped at a number, like a million and a half or, or, or $2 million an episode. And that's all I wanted, max. I was like, this is amazing. I don't want 12 accountants. I don't need a wardrobe group of nine people. It's way too many. And and they and they I went and pitched this TV show idea and 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 and, and they read the script and they and they bought it, and then eight months later and this just happened over the holidays, Lionsgate folded that because of everybody's craze for content now, because of four hundred cable channels and everybody's starting like the business is in such flux now. Forgetting about the writers' <laughs> issue with their agents and everything that's happening on that front, but in a just a pure content. You know, it's like, you know, at some point, someone will have to pull all of the streaming. But what we're going to all see here in the next five years is like, you want to watch a Marvel movie? You got to pay $9.99 for the Disney streaming app. Netflix isn't going to have it all. Are Netflix and Hulu way ahead of the game? Sure. But soon, soon everybody's going to have their own. And then someone will aggregate, someone will aggregate and pull all that together again. Mm. But that's a little ways down the line and package it. Pretty soon we're gonna have to pay nine ninety nine for twenty five different services. If you want to watch Sony movies, you got to buy theirs. If you want, you know, it's it's unfortunately that's where it's gonna be. But it'll work itself out. Water finds its level, you know. Well, and that's just means more content needs it, to be created, right. and that's what I like to hear. So it, no, that it, means for, more for, work for, for everybody for, look, sitting for at the story, table. That's right. For storytellers, right. it's a great place to be. Right. And so. While they folded, they they absorbed that division, but they let go of literally like the executives, the business fairs. They wanted it to be big Lionsgate. Now I'm back to big money, and I don't want that. It's not what I want for that project. It's not. Well, I think it's one thing. It's it's not the multi million dollar projects, but the million dollar and around that. And I say million, I mean one million dollar projects yeah. that I think are really going to help Erie grow in infrastructure. Not to mention, I think that, I think that's our personality as Erie County. Right. You know, it's just like, look, you have, you have, you know, Buckhead and Atlanta, you, you have the Mercedes towns and you have your Ford and GMC nice. towns and that's us right now. Right. And that's, that's who we are. And so it's like to have TV series to come in with a ridiculous budget, it doesn't line up with the heartbeat of the community. And I think that's what we are. And it's just like this story that I, that I have in mind, it's just like, this is in, in, and thankfully now, I was able to get it back from Lionsgate so it didn't get into some big money version that I didn't want. And I just, um, the very next person in line was a producer who's won a few Emmys, read it and loved it. And so he's optioned it and now we're going to take it out. He has a deal. He has a deal in the network. So we're going to go there first. So I'm getting ready to go out to LA to get ready to pitch the network and show them. But again, it's, it's it, the model to this is very specific and personal to me. So it needs to be in a Rust Belt type of community to make the story work. And do you plan to produce, act? Like, what's your plan for... Yeah, you know, in a, in a, I guess in a perfect world, I would like to write, direct, Bruce and star. Um, but that's ambitious. And let's face it, if Matt Damon wants to do it, I'm stepping the fuck to the side. <laughs> and so... And, and I think that there's a lot of... There's, there's a very specific visual signature, so I think we can get a real... A, a big filmmaker to maybe take a shot and get some interest in it. And so we'll probably go there first. But yes, I will I will write and, and, and produce it for sure. And, and I'm sure I'll act in some capacity. Right. And we'll see where kind of the other, the other places fall. Awesome. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you, Mark, for joining us. Um, well, thank you, guys. It's really... Yeah, it, it's, it's good conversation. I can sit, yeah, I can, sit, here, I can sit and talk. I can sit and talk, you know, Erie County stuff all day long. <laughs> so it's, it's, it's a pleasure. We'll to have to have you back.
Make sure you follow us on social media. You'll find all the tags and links in the show notes for this episode. We're off the week of May 27th and we'll return with filmmaker and owner of Film and Herb, Brittany Lee, on June 3rd. Our dinner and a movie series is off for two weeks, returning June 5th with Burning. Until next time, this was Film Green. This podcast was brought to you by Edinburgh University Center for Branding and Strategic Communication. It's part of the Northwestern Pennsylvania Innovative Beehive.